thank you that we can bow our knees. Thank you that we can come humbly before you. Thank you that we can come to the throne of grace and receive mercy in our time of need. And Lord, I pray that every single one of us would be men and women of wisdom and that we would humble ourselves before you. And in our humbling ourselves before you, that you would lift us up. Thank you that it's only as we decrease, so can you increase. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would increase in our lives as we decrease. Thank you, to, thank you that it's in your heart to bless us. Thank you that it is in your heart to favor us. And I thank you for every person in this place. I thank you that you have a plan. That you have a greater plan, beyond, far greater than our imagination for our lives. Thank you that you have plans to prosper us and to give us an awesome hope and a great future. And Lord, I pray that we would believe your report. And that we would start living as men and women of faith. And we would not waver with the storms, the different storms that come our way. But that we would stand. And once we've done everything, to continue to stand. I pray you'd bless this time as we go through your word and that you would allow it to come alive in our hearts and in our spirits in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We, we are in the third of a series. We've been looking at the life of Joseph. Joseph is an incredible man of God. And if you study his life, you'll see that his life is the shadow of Jesus. Okay? So if you want to understand what's going on with Jesus and what he's doing and what you need to go to, Joseph. And Joseph, that's why you'll see there are so many different, there's hundreds of different uh, things where, where, Jesus, where uh, what happened to Joseph ends up happening to, um, what's his name? Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm tongue-tied and tired. You can hear, yeah, don't feel 100%. <laughs> But he's, he's an amazing character. Thirteen chapters in Genesis is devoted to one man. One man. It's incredible. And that means there are lessons that God is wanting us to learn from his life. So that we can make sure that we live accordingly. And live according to God's way. So I want to encourage you to, if you've missed the, the last two, go and listen to it on YouTube. And you don't want to miss what God is going to do through us. This morning we're going to look at the favor of God, which I believe is the key to the gates of heaven. Who lives under the favor of God here? And what are the keys, what are the pathways to receive favor? Do you believe that you have the favor of God over your life? When God used someone, it, it always mentioned God was with him, or they were favored of, favored of God, or the grace of the Lord was with them. You'll always see that. So my title this morning is Living in the Favor of God. Would you read with me on screen Genesis 39, verse 1 through to 6, and it reads as follows. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. This was his brothers had now sold, sold him into slavery. And it says, there Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord 
was what? With Joseph. And he, he was a what? A slave. When it says he prospered, do you, does that mean money-wise? Hello? So often when we read that, we in our, uh, um, in our thinking, or in our immature thinking, we think it's money-wise. No. He was a slave. Hello? Yet it says there, he prospered. And he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes. So he first had the favor of who upon his life? God. And because of the favor that he had from God, he ended up getting favor from man. Interesting, hey? Joseph found favor in his, in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted to his care everything he owned. Who of you have uh, someone that works for you that the favor of God is upon them? And because of that you want to entrust everything to them. How sad in this day and age is so few people like that. Hello? Yet every one of you just about here says, yes, I'm favored of God. Well, can I put you in trust of everything under my key? Hello? You should be able to say, yes, of course. Every one of us that says we are favored of God should be able to say, yes, if I were in that position. Uh, where are we? Verse 5. From that time on, he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. Not because of Potiphar. Because of Joseph. Why? Why? The Lord blessed, the, the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. Everything that Potiphar owned was blessed because of Joseph and the favor that God placed upon Joseph's life. So he left, so he, so he left uh, in Joseph's care everything he had. With Potiphar in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the, f- the food he ate. He didn't worry about anything except the food he ate. How awesome is that? Joseph was favored of God. And even a heathen recognized the favor of God upon his life. Do people recognize the favor of God upon your life? I think that there's a problem in in many people's thinking that just because people think that you're favored, nothing is ever going to go wrong. Was Joseph favored of God? Did he get put in jail unfairly? Ah, But he was favored of God. There debunks that theory, right? Do not think just because you're favored of God, everything's going to be a bed of roses. It is a lie from the pit of hell if you've been, if you're brought into that. And I know many people that will tell you that. That is not the truth. And the tragedy is many people feed you that, and then when the pawpaw hits the fan, who do you blame? God doesn't love me, 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 I'm going to eat worms. And then what do you do? You reject God. Uh Uh-uh. That's immaturity. That's not knowing who you are in Christ. 
Even though I'm in the pit, even though I'm in prison, I know this is not my destiny. My destiny is the palace. And even though I'm in prison, I know I'm highly favored of God. And though it may take two years for me to get out there, I'm still favored of God. And He's still with me. And He will never leave me nor forsake me, even though I'm going through this hard time. Hello? What about uh, Daniel? Loved God. Worshipped Him. Darius wants to make him in charge of his whole kingdom. And the other guys become jealous of this. So what do they do? They say, let's make a decree that no one is allowed to worship any other god but you, O king. You are the greatest. Put this in writing. So what does he do? Like an absolute wally goes and puts it in writing. Because they knew... Daniel worshipped God, and he prayed outside his window every day that everyone could see that he was worshipping God. Do you think that Daniel, because of this decree, wavered in his belief system? How many of you would have wavered if you knew you were going to be chucked in a lion's den if you worshipped God? So he just carried on worshipping God. Why? Because he was faithful irrespective of the circumstances or situations around him. Do you remain faithful irrespective of the situation around you in this country? Or you or you tossed back and forth by every, oh, this guy said this and this one said this. And, ooh, uh. So many people live like that and quite frankly I think it drives poor God insane. Yet he's not wavered. I'm only joking, okay? It doesn't drive him insane. It drives me insane. But it doesn't drive him. He just thinks, oh, you oh, you of little faith. Why are you so blown here and there by all these little words that are spoken and these situations that are changing? God is not like that. Daniel gets, goes and he prays. What happens? They run to Darius, put him in, in the lion's den, Darius is now very unhappy because he saw the favor of God upon Daniel's life. That is why he wanted to do, make him ruler. So what happens? He has to go into the lion's den. What happens? The supernatural favor of God is demonstrated in his life and the lion's mouths are closed. That is what you call favor. When you see the supernatural coming about. That the real destiny, no, irrespective of what happens... The destiny that God has for your life will come to pass. Even if you put in a, even if you put in a, a den of lions, that will not stop the plan of God from being fulfilled in your life. But do you believe it for your life? So don't you believe just because you're going through a hard time at this present moment in time or you're in a valley in your life that the favor of God does not rest upon you. That is a lie. Luke 2 verse 41. Let's have a read there. Luke 2 verse 41. Our Lord, our King. Let's look look at him. He's the actual greatest example. Verse 41. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, he was a pickanin as many of us would describe him. They went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while, he, while his parents were uh, returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in the company, think in the company, they traveled on for a day. 
Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. How nice that must have been, eh? You show commissy, commissar, relaxed that, you know, it can be a day or two and, you know, your kid's fine, he's with others that love him. And how awesome is that, eh? When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He said, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And then it says, verse 52, And Jesus grew in what? In wisdom, in stature, and in the favor of God. He grew in wisdom, in stature, and in the favor of God. Those are keys. These are some of the pathways into receiving the favor of God in your life. You need to, you need to gain wisdom. And wisdom comes from God. By studying His Word, understanding His Word, and applying the truth. Having knowledge and not applying it is what, I don't even know what you call that, crazy. And many of us have truth imparted into our lives, but we don't apply it. That is what you call foolishness. I believe that God has great plans for all of us. And you might be in the prison today, but that's not where you're going to stay. That's not, at least that's not where I'm staying. Hello? My destiny is the palace. But that means I need to live by faith in my prison situation. Hello? While you're in the pit, you still need to remain faithful. And after you've done everything, you stand. And after you've done everything, keep standing until deliverance comes. Right. Favor is not fair. It is just. Because God is a just God. And sometimes you think, but this is not fair. No, but it's just, it is, God is just. I've put a, put a few definitions as to what I believe favor is. Favor is not just a once-off experience, but is the grace of God or the divine flow of God in your life that takes you from your present or current position or season to your destined position. Okay? Favor means that God finds pleasure or delight or approval or kindness or goodness or acceptance or a special blessing towards someone. Favor means that there is a tangible evidence that a person has the approval of the Lord. Favor is the demonstrated delight of God's approval. God shows favor to those that delight in pleasing Him, loving Him, honoring Him, and whose walk is blameless. If you want the favor of God, those are the keys. Or some of the keys. Make sure that you live to please Him. So many people are, live to please 
their spouse or to please their children or to please their boss, but they don't live to please God, you are wasting your time. If I live to please God, I will please my wife. Hello. If I live to please God, I will please my boss because I will have the favor of God upon my life. And our focus needs to change. Change your focus. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, Has not my hand made all things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. This is the one I esteem or the one that I favor. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Who does God favor? Someone that is humble. Not as arrogant. I did it my way. I'm the best. Nobody can touch me. Many, many times we think we're the greatest. I can do it better than you. We sing that song. Then it says there that are contrite in spirit. Contrite means broken. In other words, not shattered in spirit. It means broken is I, I realize but by you and you alone can I stand. But by you and you alone can I be victorious in life. And there's an absolute brokenness in saying, Lord, if it is not for you, I'm nothing and I'm no one and I'm going nowhere. And then also, lastly, the love for God and his word. There needs to be a tremendous thirst for God and his word. If you want the favor of God, live accordingly. Be humble. Be contrite. And then tremble at God and his word. Favor is the divine transporter from your current season to your divine destiny. And I'm very excited because I know God has got great things for us and for me and for you that remain in faith. There are so many examples that you can give of favor. One of the favors for this church is when we were in the hall and I said one day God will give us this building. That is favor. When he gave us this building, which he did as all of you or most of you know, he literally gave us this building, right? That is what you call the favor of God. When it should never have happened, when there was no finances for it to happen, God gave it to us. I mean, that is what you call the favor of God. Not because of you being great, not because of me being great, but because of the kindness of God, the approval of God. We didn't have millionaires or anything in this congregation. We shouldn't have got it. We, I mean, we get this bond, we subdivide it, sell it off, and end up with a profit. He didn't just give it to us. He gave us money also to restore it. How awesome is that? That is what you call favor. That is undeserved, unmerited kindness of God. Who of you have sometimes been at the right place, at the right time, met the right person? That is what you call favor. Put up your hand if you can say, now I see sometimes the favor of God that has been upon my life. Please put up your hand. Hello? Oh, there's quite a few of you. Do you, do you, did you see it? Did you say, wow, this can only be God? Did you? Did you give him the glory? Do you continue to give him the glory that this could have only been the hand of God? That is what you call favor. He will orchestrate that at the right time, the right place, you'll meet the right person to take you out of prison and put you in the palace and make you the big shot. And he might not make you the big shot. But you will see that God took you out and put you on higher ground. And he will get the glory through your life because of it.
don't become disillusioned because God is busy setting the stage for your positioning of destiny. Do you believe it? That is the question. Because I can believe it for myself, but I cannot believe it for you. You have to believe it for yourself. That's why the Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I cannot work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have to do it. You have to come before God with humility. You have to love Him. You have to choose to serve Him. You have to choose to study His Word and live accordingly so that the favor of God rests upon your life. I believe that God is wanting to show His glory in and through your story. Because that's why He places favor upon our lives. So that He can get the glory through our lives. Do you know that? It's not so that we can buy a new car and a new house. Those are the fringe benefits. But if that is your motive, uh, 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 you missed the whole point. He does it so that he can get the glory. Who do you think got the glory in Joseph's life when he became prime minister of the whole of Egypt from prison? I mean, that's supernatural. Hello? Isn't it? Daniel, in the, in the lion's den comes out and what does Darius say? Everyone will serve who? Daniel's God. Who got the glory? Daniel's God. Who does God want to get the glory when his favor rests upon you? He wants to get the glory. That's why he says, I place my favor upon you. That's why I want my favor to rest upon you. So that I can be glorified in this world. There's a set time in God's timetable to grant your request. And maybe now is not your set time. But are you going to remain faithful no matter what? That is the question. That is the key. And that is sometimes very hard because sometimes those seasons are way more projected. They're longer than what we anticipate or can expect. You might be shocked, but sometimes you have, might have to be betrayed by your own flesh and blood and sold into slavery. Who of you have been lied about by your own family, your brothers? That may be part of God's plan for your destiny. Suck it up. You might be wrongfully put in jail. Just like Joseph was, when Potiphar lied about him. But it was part of God's plan for his life. So he could take him from the most humble position to prime minister overnight. That people could say, but this can only be God. You might even have your best friends betray you. You might even have a Judas kiss you. So that the plan of God for your life be fulfilled. That refining process, let me tell you, is not easy. And I I know that. I accept that. But understand that it's part of God's plan. And you know what? Satan will do everything in his power to warp your understanding of who you are. If he can get you to believe that you are useless, you will never amount to anything, you are this, you are that... You know what? He's won. He's won. He's won. He's destroyed you because you believe a lie instead of believing the report of the Lord. 
And I want to encourage you, may you come to believe who God says you are. Not what everyone else says you are, but who He says you are. Because when you believe who He says who, who He says you are, it'll set you free. It'll set you free to become who He has called you to become. Because He He, he renders you Satan will render you powerless and fruitless if you believe the lie that he says over you. Proverbs 8 verse 35 to 36 says, Whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. You want to find the favor of the Lord? Find him. Seek him with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength, and you will find him. Seek everything else, a total waste of time, and he's meaningless. Moses was called of God. Was he not? Hey? He tries to do things in own strength, kills an Egyptian, and then what ends up happening? He goes into exile. For 40 years he runs away. 40 years. And then guess who comes knocking on his door? God. It might take 40 years to get all the nonsense out of you, and you thinking that you can do it in your own strength. 40 years it took, and then God comes knocking on his door says, Now's the time. And he he tries to make every excuse that is available in the book. But I stutter. God said, don't worry. I will get Aaron and her to help you. But I've called you to set my people free. May we not not allow our life to take 40 years before God says, okay, now... You're humble enough. You're not arrogant anymore. You, now I can take you out of your position and I can use you because now you realize you cannot do it in your own strength. You have only me. Moses tried in his own strength to set his people free. He thought they were all going to say, whoa, yes, this is the man that's come to see. And, and what did they say? Oh, you're going to kill me also now. Instead of saying, yes, come, let's together, rally together. Uh -uh. Because God wanted to do it supernaturally. Why? So that he could get the glory. So that his name could be made great among the nations of this world. God is busy building in you and I. I believe that with all my heart. Why? So that his glory may be shown through our lives. Look at David. David was herding sheep, taking care of them. Here comes a bear. Here comes a lion, zaps them. And every time it happened, who did he give glory to? To God. Even as a young boy, he gave glory to God. That when when, when he was needed by God, he was ready because he was a humble man. Even though we learn from his life, he did some stupid things in his life. Yet he was humble before God. That's why God said, he's the apple of my eye. Not because he was a sinless man. Because he was a humble man. God loves someone that is humble and contrite in spirit. That when this Goliath comes, what does he go? He's a little pukkaji. I mean, his brothers say, who the heck do you think you are? Futsak man, go back to the sheep. He says, whoa, whoa, who do you think you are, you Philistine? How dare you speak against the, 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 the army of the Most High God? How dare you? And he, what does he say? He says, I'm going to take you out. No, he says, 
The God who helped me take out the bear and the lion is going to help me take you out. He, he never I, he said, God is going to give me favor and I'm going to take you out because of the blessing and the favor and the kindness of God in my life. Here we go. Wang. None of his brothers, not even his father, thought that he could run for king. And maybe some people disqualify you in your present situation or circumstance to become anything or anyone. But you know what? You need to believe what God says. Do not believe what other people say. Stop listening to what other people are saying. Start listening to God's report. And what ended up happening? No, not you, no, not you, no, not you. Yes, you. The one least expected God has his hand upon. Why? Because he was humble and contrite in spirit and loved God and his word. 2 Chronicles 16, 19 to, uh, oopsie, verse 9. <laughs> For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I'm going to read that again. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Who feels that like they cannot anymore? Who, come on, be honest. Who at this time in their life feels economic? I just cannot. You, you hear that? God says he's seeking, he seeks for you to strengthen you at this time. How kind is our God? How merciful is our God? He desires to strengthen you at your most vulnerable point in life. Proverbs 18.22 says, he, found, he, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Why did I put that in? I, I like to, when I talk on marriage, use this and say, the men need to open their eyes. Not, I'm waiting for God to send me a wife. That's baloney, man. The Bible says, he who finds a wife. In other words, open your eyes, go and look for the wife. Okay? And then you make the choice and you love the choice you made. Not God made, you made. So when the poor poets offend, don't blame God, you blame yourself. You come right. Okay? It's not about marrying the right person, it's about being the right person. So don't come and say, oh, but this person, oh, no, 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 you. Work on yourself. Okay? If you come for counseling with me, I'm going to, uh, I, I'm going to say, you work on your own self. You love unconditionally, and they will do the same. Stop pointing fingers. When we sow, no, 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 no. Work on yourself. Why did I put this here? He who finds a wife finds a good thing, and the favor of the Lord rests upon. The favor of God rests upon what we do that is honorable and right. Hello? When we do things out of the plan and will of God, there's no favor. Okay? That's why there can never be favor or blessing upon adultery. There can be never favor or blessing upon extramarital affairs or, or uh, um, shacking up together or same-sex marriages. There is no favor. I repeat, there is never going to be favor over there. And if you're living in that, repent of it, make right with God, so his favor can rest upon you. Now, if you've gone down that road, what do you do? You repent and you say, Lord, forgive me. And you make right with God. 
so that you can begin again. Amen? And then you live by what the Word says. Forgetting that which is behind me, I strain on to that which lies ahead. You do not let the past haunt you any longer, but then you need to genuinely repent. And then the favor of God can rest upon you. But I promise you now, it will never rest upon you while you live in sin. Never. Your, your walk has to be blameless. You need to honor God in all that you say and do. Then, and only then, is the blessing of God upon your life. And the problem is so many of us, want, we want all the good things, but we're not willing to change. I want a degree, but I'm not willing to put in the hours of studying to get there. Hello? I'm in debt, but I'm not willing to take the second job that's landing in my lap because I'm too lazy. I'm favored of God. He must just smile. Take me out of this. <laughs> get off your blessed assurance and do something about it. Sometimes that's what God says to us. Some of us want the favor of God. But we steal from him. We don't tithe. Hello? And then you wonder why you never have breakthroughs. Zechariah 4 verse 6 to 7 says, So he said to, the, said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. I think many of you know the scripture by heart. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. But then listen to this. What are you, O mighty, mighty mountain, before Zerubbabel? You will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of God bless it. God bless it. And here we see that God, I believe that God wants to make the mountains in your life that, are, that have bogged you down level ground. Not just a little bump, but level ground. Who of you needs a mountain to be made level ground? Something that is destroying you, that is, that, or you feel it's though it's going to destroy you. God wants to make it level ground. And you know what He can? Not a hill, doesn't say hill, it says a mountain. He can make it level ground in your life. But will you humble yourself before His mighty hand that He can lift you up? Proverbs 3 verse 3 to 4 says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablets of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and of man. Let what? Love and faithfulness. Are you full of love? That irrespective of what people say or do, that you remain kind, compassionate, good, all of those kind of things. Are you faithful? Can you be found faithful? Can I say to you, please will you do this? And you say yes, that I know it will be done. And it will be done with excellence. That is someone that is faithful. Then you will have the favor of God upon your life. 2 Chronicles 6, 1 to 2 in ending, it says, As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of my of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now 
is the day of salvation for you. The starting point of receiving the favor of God is surrendering your life to His Lordship. Where are you in your relationship with God? Have you said, Lord, I choose to give you my all. I've tried to do it in my own strength for these years, but I realize I cannot do it in my own strength. You need to surrender to His Lordship. Lordship means, who's the, who, who's the landlord? The owner. That's where it comes from. So it means, I give you my life, you are the owner of my life. That's what it means. And I want to encourage you, if you want the favor of God upon your life, you need to give Him Lordship. You need to allow Him to be the Lord, to be the owner of your life. That is the starting, that is just the beginning. That is when you surrender all. And then, you go before Him and you seek Him till you find Him. Remain humble before Him. Be broken before Him and acknowledge that you can do nothing without Him. And then love His Word and love Him. And I can guarantee you'll have the favor of God upon your life. Who of you wants the favor of God over your life 24-7-365? Are you willing to change your life when need be? Come, let's bow our heads. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I believe there are some that say, Look, I have never ever given my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. But today I choose to surrender my life and I want to give my all to Him. If you are that person or person, would you raise your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you or call you up. I just want to know that I can chat to you sometime in the week. Who says, I want to give my life to the Lord? Amen. Anyone else? Lord, I thank you for every person here. I thank you that you have a plan and a destiny for each and every one of us. Your plan is not for us to live in the pit. Your plan is not for, for us to grovel in the mire of life. But your desire is to place our feet on higher ground. I thank you that you desire to favor us. But first we need to change. Father, I pray that every single one of us will echo that in our hearts. Lord, we give you our all. We give you our heart. We give you our soul. We give you our strength. Come and be the Lord of my life, I pray. Come and be King Jesus in my life, of my situation. And I pray that you would help me to be humble before you, never arrogant. Help me to have a thirst, an unquenchable thirst for your word, and that I would devour it and enjoy it and grow by it. And in so doing, I will apply it and become more like you. And I thank you, Lord, that, that, that your favor will rest upon me because of this. I pray that your favor would rest upon every person in this building. And that we would put you first in life. And that you would take us from the prison to the palace. And that you would get all the glory that you will get all the glory through our lives. Bless every person here, I pray. And I pray that you would go with us, guide us and lead us. Holy Spirit, we choose to surrender our life to you. Thank you for your favor that rests upon me 
And I pray that the same would be upon every person and they would echo that and say, thanks for your favor, Lord, that rests upon me. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you.